Church, today is the first Sunday in Lent. Lent is that period of preparation for the resurrection, which we call Easter. And we are going to take some time these next couple of weeks to go through a series called Bless This Mess. Um, the spoiler alert is we are the mess, and that is why that is why Jesus went to the cross for our sins. And so we're going to be talking about the different letters in bless. Today we're going to be talking about how what we believe influences and impacts how we act. So let's pray together and we will study the word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've all known each other for a few minutes now, and I feel, like, I feel like we can be honest with each other. So I'm going to ask you some questions. No right or wrong answers here. You just need to think these things through for yourself. Don't cheat after your neighbor. If you did not believe that vegetables are good for you, would you willingly eat Brussels sprouts? Would you do that? If you didn't actually believe that vaccines prevented diseases, would you bother to go get them? If you didn't truly believe that you had to use money to pay your bills, would you really work as hard as you do or did? See, what we believe influences the way that we act. Recently, our family was watching My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Do you remember that movie? And perhaps one of the most iconic scenes in that movie is when Tula's father, Gus, is explaining how Windex is the cure for absolutely everything. And from that point on, anytime anybody in the film has an ailment, here comes Gus with a bottle of Windex. He is acting based on what he believes. So today I want to talk about one of the very basic beliefs of our faith. Do we believe that we are in need of forgiveness? Which actually is a kinder, gentler way of asking, do we really believe that we are sinners? Now, Scripture says that we are, preachers seem to think that we are, but do we really believe that? And here's why I think an honest answer to that question is important. If you don't really believe that you are a sinner, and therefore you don't really believe that you need forgiveness, then Easter doesn't really matter. If I'm a good person and I do good things and people generally like me and I've never been to prison or killed anybody, then who cares what Jesus does? If I'm so amazing all by my lonesome, then what is the big deal that Jesus went to the cross and he rose from the grave? Just pass me the Easter basket, dye me some eggs. Even if you do believe that Jesus went to the cross for sinners, but you don't believe that you are one, 
then Jesus is just a great idea for somebody else, but nobody special to you personally. As we start this season of Lent, the season of preparation and reflection of repentance, we're going to be looking at the blessings of Lent. And since Lent is a time of acknowledging our shortcomings, the series, of course, is called Bless This Mess. And in order for God to bless it, we have to decide if we're actually a mess to begin with. Now, we have some friends who are minimalists. And they try to keep as little stuff as humanly possible. You go over to their house, somebody has left a gum wrapper on the coffee table, and the mom will exclaim, oh, excuse me, our house is such a mess. (laughs) Now, I want you to understand that she is speaking to someone whose house perpetually looks like we are three days into battling a poltergeist. So... Which one of us has the perfect house? By definition, neither. Mine might be further away from perfect than hers is, but as long as there's those gum wrappers just lying around willy-nilly all over the coffee table, perfect, her home is not. And that's the conversation that we need to have about sin. Until our lives are perfect, they are without blemish, then sin is real whether or not we believe it. However, it's only when you do believe it that your faith will be shaped by it. So the first step towards this Lent being a blessing in your life is to really sit down with yourself and decide if you truly believe that there is sin in your life. And maybe your sin comes in the form of anger or resentment. Maybe it's in a broken relationship that that seemed worth breaking at the time, but upon reflection, wasn't really one of those eternal issues. Maybe it's an unfaithfulness to your spouse or your family. And and by the way, that doesn't have to be just adultery. That can be with how you spend your time and, and what you do with them. Maybe it's a selfishness or an addiction or poor financial management, maybe it really is that that your house is a mess and that you have way more stuff than you need. So after you identify your sin, which by the way is probably one of the easier parts of this, that's where the soul searching and the hard work really has to begin. Because just because you can identify that you're going 85 in a 30 mile an hour zone is wrong, that doesn't mean that you're willing to admit that it's actually a problem in your life. It's like saying, yeah, I I was wrong, but you know what? Don't care. And so here again, if you don't care about your sin, then Easter is not really going to make any sense to you. But let's say that you can identify that sin in your life, and you come to that place where that sin is not okay, well, then what do you do? And I think sometimes we we give into this temptation to wallow in our sins. I know it's wrong. I know I did it. I know I shouldn't have done it. But it's too late now, and there's nothing that I can do about it. It's just the way that it is. That's not true. That's not true. That's, That's a lie that the world wants you 
to believe so that you're straddled with your sin, so that you have to carry it around for the rest of your life, so that it's a heavy burden on you. That lie is that your sin has defined you, and and once it has its grasp on you, you are never free and there is no way out. And my friends, that's a lie. That's a lie. What I want to show you this morning is what your life looks like when you identify sin in your life, when you claim it, and when you confess it and seek forgiveness. We have a Psalm of King David, and it starts with, happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, in our translation, the word is happy, but in other translations, the word is blessed. Either way, it's a positive. When we are forgiven, when our sins are paid in full, we are blessed. So what that means, and we need to be clear about this, is not that we escape the consequences of our sins, but we are not defined by them, and we do not have to carry them around with us forever. If you've ever gotten a traffic ticket for any reason, you can understand this concept. You are likely going to have to pay a fine because you parked in a handicapped spot that, and you are clearly not handicapped. Now, even though you were wrong, and even though you suffered the consequences, you are not likely to spend the rest of your life being defined as that guy who stole the handicapped parking space from a handicapped individual. That's good news. That's not your identity because no one would want to be that guy for the rest of their life. It feels good to be forgiven. Likewise, it feels good to have a clear conscience, or as the psalm says, happy are those in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now think about this. We're not all going to raise our hands and share on this. This is just for you personally. But I want you to think about this. Have you ever told a lie? It, it, could, it could be the smallest of lies. In fact, it could have been so small that you're not even really sure why you told it in the first place. But, but then it starts to eat at you. And every time you see the person that you lied to, it, it, it kind of comes up again or, or something, you see something and it reminds you of that lie. And then maybe you had to tell another lie to compensate for the first lie. That's the worst, isn't it? Because the more you lie, the heavier it gets and you're walking around and you're carrying all this weight both on your mind and in your heart. King David shares what it's like when we confess our sins and, and, and when we don't confess our sins and when we don't allow that space for forgiveness. He says, while I kept silent, my, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, can you picture that? Can you picture what David says about dwelling and living in our sin and what that feels like? Your body just wasting away, groaning all day and night to have this this heaviness on your shoulders just pressing 
down on you, keeping you from moving freely and going forward, maybe even holding you back. And your strength, it's, it's dried up as by the heat of summer. That line makes me think about flowers wilting in the sun. Too many days without rain, drying up completely, being blown away, dying this slow, painful death. That's, that's not the way to live. And yet, that's exactly how many of us choose to live day after day after day because we fear that if we bring our sin to light, it could be even worse. Well, let me ask you, what would be worse than dying a slow and painful death? Maybe, maybe drowning in a rushing river? Therefore, says David, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. I have I've been whitewater rafting for the last 20 years. It is by far my most favorite, favorite sport. But whitewater rafting is a sport that requires honesty. It requires a lot of honesty. It requires you to be honest about your tolerance for risk. It requires you to be honest about your skill level. And most especially, it requires you to be honest about your ability to swim. If you lie about these things, you can put your life in danger as well as the lives of the people who are with you. Now, I used to guide trips down the Shenandoah River, which compared to some of the class four and five rapids out in Colorado and in Canada, is kind of like standing in bathwater. <laughs> but you have to remember that for a lot of people, whitewater rafting is not something they do on a regular basis. So even the Shenandoah River for them, it is big time excitement. But if guests would lie, when we were getting them ready, if they would lie about their abilities or their tolerance for risk, every single time we all paid for it in the end. Because in the beginning, everybody can hide it. You can hide it behind your excitement and your energy. But you go seven miles down a river with people and they get worn out. And when you're worn out, your weaknesses begin to show and you start praying that you're going to make it to the end. The worst thing that can happen in a situation like this is that they do a dam release. Because if everybody's just hanging on by the skin of their teeth and you release a dam into that situation, that water is coming at you. It's coming swiftly. It is coming fast. And if people are not paying attention and they're not honest about what they can and can't do, it can be potentially fatal. However, however, if everyone is honest, and you know that that water is coming, then you are able to find an outlet, a tributary, something that takes you out of that flowing current. And when that happens, you can see the look of relief on everybody's face. If we are honest with God, even when we have done something wrong, God, God will guide us through those turbulences, through those trouble spaces that we find ourselves in. He may not remove the consequences of our actions, but he will lead us to safe harbor 
when we get that rush of mighty water. The psalm gives us this promise. I will instruct you and I will teach you the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. There is so much to be gained when we confess our sins and we receive forgiveness. Many are the torments of the wicked, but a steadfast love surrounds them, those who trust in the Lord. So be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. My friends, if you are feeling tormented, burdened, struggling, frustrated, Maybe your body and your mind are carrying something that you're just not being honest about or that you simply don't want to be honest about. Maybe you don't believe that you have any sin in your life and you are acting accordingly. How's that going for you? Easter Sunday, resurrection morning, it's that moment where God blesses this mess that is humanity. It's that moment where the tomb is empty and sin and death are utterly and completely and totally defeated. It is the most joyful day in the Christian life because it reminds us that we are not defined by our sins and our mistakes, and instead, we've actually been set free to lead lives that are filled with love and joy. But if you want to experience that day for all that it is and and all that it's worth, you've got to start now by taking the time to get real, even if it's just with yourself and the Lord, about what you really believe. Because if you're already perfect, if your life is already perfect and you are without sin, then Easter will be just another day in your ordinary life, same old, same old, but with plastic eggs and chocolate bunnies. Imagine going on a whitewater rafting trip with mighty rushing waters depending on eggs and bunnies. What a mess. Let's pray together. Lord God, talking about sin is one of the hardest things that we do because nobody wants to admit to it, certainly don't want to confess it, not thrilled about the consequences of it. So instead, we ignore it, we justify it, we compare it to the sins of our neighbors. Help us this Lent. this this gifted, blessed, and sacred season to do that hard work of sitting down and just being honest and giving our sin over to you and being set free by your forgiveness. As we come to the table now, this table that is the table of grace, remind us that we are welcomed here that you hold a place for us in your heart and in the kingdom and that we are called to extend that grace to others. With thanksgiving we pray. Amen.